Uh, I'm Brian Hamilton, as per usual. Uh, Alice and Trude should be joining us momentarily. Uh, as per hmm. Trujual. <laughs> as per Chu... That is hard to say. Trude. It's, it's really... Yeah, I realized I bit off more than I could chew, um, but I managed to get it out the first time without too much of a, a hassle. What episode of the show is this? I have to go to Google to find my own podcast. I have to do that all the time, too. Like... Was this 158 or 159? And then because... Oh, to have that problem, that many episodes. This is episode 30. Wow. Oh, God. Still a significant milestone. Oh, thank you. It's it's significant enough to warrant Mr. Uh, Joe Rosensteel of Unhelpful Suggestions, Defocused, and many other wonderful internet properties. If you say so. I just wanted to be on because Micah was on that one time. And you get to have all those opinions. Well, as if you don't get to have your own weekly breakfast opinions and food opinions. Yeah, I know, but I, I, I don't get to have them with you. Oh, Breakfast opinions uh, shared amongst frenemies uh, is, is definitely the way to go. <laughs> now, am I the frenemy or is Truge the frenemy? I don't know. Can't you both be the frenemy? I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, make you pick sides. Um I don't like this plot. This part where I've joined the podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, hello! It's uh, it's breakout character Allison Truch. Hello, my name is Allison Truch, and I've been awake for for a lot of hours. Oh, by that you mean four minutes, right? Yes. <laughs> we 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 literally just woke up from a nap. This is great. <laughs> oh, both of you were taking a nap at the same time. So what happened? What do you want to tell the story, Allison, or were you, like do you? Are you conscious enough to understand what has transpired over the last 45 minutes? Honestly, not really. I can tell you what <laughs> what my perspective was. My perspective was I was like drifting off to, to beautiful old dreamland where there's lots of scones and it's great. Um, and then Brian's like shaking me awake and he's like, we have a very important podcast to record with, with Joe Still Cutouts. And I was like... Oh, right. And then you fell back asleep promptly. I did. I'm yeah. really hard to wake up. <laughs> extremely, extremely difficult to wake up. Joe, I don't know if you have this problem when uh, you are staying at Jason's place, but when I'm staying at Alice and Truge's place, there are approximately 7,200 alarms every morning to uh, absolutely no avail. I'm still the person that has to shake Alice and Truge awake to get her to work in time. Uh, Nope. Not that situation. Sorry. But also, you guys could have canceled it <laughs> if you if you were sleepy from your day of traveling. No. Cancel on Joe Steele of Unhelpful Suggestions, Terrible Podcast, Screenplays, and Defocused? <laughs> no, never. Okay. Well, also, I feel like this is actually a really genuine moment for me to be recording a podcast because it's almost like I've had some brunch boozes. Uh-huh. <laughs> some absolutely uh, tasty beverages that you drink at brunch with booze and friends. Uh, but before we jump into uh, drink things, Joe Steele, what did you have for breakfast? Um, okay. So I'm going to tell you about my ambition for breakfast first. <laughs> uh, I I had uh, gone to, I went to the farmer's market yesterday and I got a loaf of uh, bread, a country loaf. Um, and it's, it's all rustic and stuff and it's, you know, super ready and nice and things. Um, and I, I was like, you know what? 
I, I can I can have some of that, like a slice of that, and I have ricotta, and I, I can put some olive oil on there, salt and pepper. It'll be great. Uh, and then I didn't feel like doing that, and I didn't feel like toasting the bread. So I had a slice of bread this morning, <laughs> but it was a slice of fancy bread. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was my breakfast. I mean, that actually sounds pretty delicious, though. I can hear the aspirations and understand your uh, your palate in the moment but also feel the disappointment of literal untoasted bread in your mouth this morning. I also, I, I think we should start a new segment called Breakfast Aspirations, because I also had those this morning. Well, what, what were your aspirations? Well, my aspirations, so I woke up this morning in my childhood home at 5 a.m. Well, there's your problem. <laughs> right? <laughs> my aspiration was to not be there anymore. Um, so basically, I, I went home for like a family reunion type thing. Um, and I had a flight super, super early today to like get into work on time and all that kind of stuff. And so, um, I had gone to like the farmer's market that like w- my family has been shopping at for like over 10 years. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to like get a bagel and it's going to be so good. I was like really, really excited for this bagel. And as as I've discussed on this podcast before, bagels are not, like, things I get excited about very often. But my aspiration was to, like, toast it up with some butter. And, like, my, my mom also, like, has this Nespresso machine. And so I was going to be like, yeah, I'm going to have good coffee and all this kind of stuff. And basically, I woke up, five, like, literally five minutes before I had to leave to go to the airport. So I ended up having a plain bagel. And my mom, like, made me coffee, which was so sweet of her, but I couldn't drink it because it was, like, it was like she had put too much sugar and stuff in it. So that was that was my, my breakfast aspiration today and my breakfast reality. I like to imagine that uh, your toaster, Allison, and your toaster, Joe, uh, were singing the Somewhere Out There uh, in the Pale Moonlight song to each other from across the country being unused for your carby delicious breakfasts and uh, singing a Disney I Want song. Okay. Uh, how, 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 how was your toaster usage this morning? Uh, well, my breakfast aspiration was to... Uh, I have a big shoot this week, so every morning I'm sure I'm going to be going to Dunkin' unless I have a Soylent sometime in the morning. Uh, so this morning I woke up at 5 a.m. and went to the local Dunkin' in Somerville before uh, hopping on the tee over to uh, to the this big uh, social skills video shoot I'm doing. And my aspiration was to go to Dunkin', and I went to Dunkin'. I call that a perfect combo 100 percent uh a la ddr but no we uh i i just got some uh dunkin iced coffee like you do and i got the big and toasty which is uh, i think i've talked about on the show before this sandwich that dunkin does with two eggs double the bacon and cheese on it's supposed to be texas toast but it's essentially uh two pieces of cardboard soaked in oil and then heated up it is bigger than average bread Exactly. It's like, it's this very okay sandwich, but I love it so much because it's so oily. And if in the morning you have to resort to Dunkin' and really, really wish you were in a diner, like I do every morning, uh, you have to, you have to up the ante a little bit in terms of your oil intake. (laughs) So big and toasty, uh, medium ice with mocha. Perfect. Sounds good for you. I think the problem was that Allison and I set our, our, our goals too high and that we should have Uh had a much lower bar. Uh, like a Dunkin' Lower Bar kind of a thing going on here. 
<laughs> a Duncan like oil soaked sandwich bar. Yeah. Hey, at least I was satisfied. So. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, but uh, oh, I, I happened to notice that you said Duncan and not Duncan Donuts. Uh, are you adapting to the the name change already, or or do you always just call it Duncan? I've always just called it Duncan. I want to talk about this. We need to talk about Wait, the shortening. Did I miss something? So, Dunkin' Donuts, the company, uh, has been test driving a bunch of like stores that don't sell donuts, and they just call them Dunkins. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> did my Skype just cut out, or did I hear that they're not selling donuts? Well, I mean, so some Dunkin' Donuts sell donuts, but there are a particular kind of Dunkins that are only called Dunkin's, not Dunkin' Donuts. And they only sell, I guess, coffee and stuff like that. Like, they don't have donuts. Joe, how do you feel about this? Uh, I'm ambivalent because I have I have no no love for the, the Dunkin' franchise in any form. Um, but, but I know it's near and dear to both of your hearts, uh, pretzel croissants and all, so... And arteries. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that, that's why it's so near and dear. It's just crusted up in there. All, all that, that crusty love. <laughs> because it's inside of us. <laughs> See, that's exactly what I thought. And uh, on one hand, Joe, you're the most predictable dude on the internet, and I love you so much. But on the other hand, <laughs> wow, wow, very much wow. expected you to at least have some Duncan memory that is shedding a tear in the corner next to your toaster that's unused uh, because of the fact that I guess Duncan is sunsetting its uh, donut initiative. Th- this makes no sense. They're they're Dunkin' Donuts. I want to make a sidebar. I, th- I'm so sorry to interrupt you, Brian, but I just, I, I want to say to anyone that we have invited to be on the show who hasn't been on yet, I promise that Brian will not be calling you the most predictable people on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't how we treat people on this show. It's okay. I was pushing his buttons. <laughs> Beep boop. Am I right? <laughs> Ladies. No, but, uh, uh, Brian... <laughs> Uh, I, w- I would just like uh, for you to to clarify the the whole rage over having other stores that won't have the donuts. Is that is that like a it's like a big no no, or is that like a like is it really like upsetting to you? Yeah, because for me, Dunkin' Donuts means it, it's the shining beacon of hope at five in the morning when you have a big long day ahead of you and lots of anxiety about it, and you go there and you order your extremely oily donut or your, your extremely oily sandwich and decide in the moment, if you want to add a really oily donut. I didn't this morning, but I got another two weeks of the shoot. I probably will tomorrow or the next day or the day after that. What happens if I can only get my oily Texas toast and not my oily cinnamon bun? I feel like for me, Duncan has already hurt me too much by discontinuing the pretzel croissant sandwich. So I like, they can't do anything else to hurt me. so pretty babe i'm an excellent singer thank you good trumpeting Mm -hmm. trumpy no (laughs) no one mystery science theater oh okay fine oh it's cookie trumpy you can do stupid things I'm going to let you in on a secret. I don't really like Mystery Science Theater 3000. Oh my god, I don't like it either! <laughs> I, I like that we're continuing the trend of me inviting friends onto the show, and then they bond with Truge so much harder than me. She's eminently likable in all ways, uh, and you are also likable, but uh, sometimes we just have different opinions on things. 
And also, I I will say that I didn't say that Joe was like the most predictable person on the internet. Yeah, I mean, I think that helps too if, in terms of bonding. <laughs> I'm never gonna live this down, am I? That's fine. Um, so, uh, but 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 uh, but uh, but I forgot to mention that I had coffee that I had brewed uh, and put into a thing this morning as well. So my coffee was not a complete disaster either. So there there was a positive thing. I feel bad saying that mine was because, like, my mom was so nice to make me coffee. It's just like, like you know that thing where, like, if if someone has prepared you coffee in a way that is unacceptable to you, like, mm-hmm. even though I, I knew in my heart, I was like, this is so rude that I'm not drinking this coffee that my beautiful mother has made me. I was also like, I cannot. I cannot pretend. Yeah, my my stepfather, uh, he makes uh, what he calls crack coffee, um, which uh, is basically one to one beans uh, to to water, um, a little higher sometimes, uh, and he doesn't really get the whole system all drained out. He's just making it all day. So he just keeps putting in a new filter and more beans and a new filter and more beans. And there's just sort of a residual buildup of um awful stale coffeeness but also really strong awful stale coffeeness so wait are we talking like in a regular coffee pot like he just keeps putting more coffee grounds in yes yes and taking out the old ones putting in a new filter and and running it uh but not like wiping down the whole thing just for from 4 a.m until 3 in the afternoon he is brewing non-stop 12 cups of coffee in the thing over and over and over again. I just, I almost like wish I had that much dedication to do anything in my life, though. No, I, I don't. I can't drink it. It's undrinkable. No one can drink it except for him. And so, sometimes when I'm there, if if he has gone somewhere else, I will, I will wipe down the entire system, clean the whole thing out, and then I will, <laughs> I will put just a tiny amount of coffee in there, and I will brew a tiny little cup. And sometimes he'll come back and he'll have some and he'll be like, is this the coffee from, from earlier? And I'll be like, no, sorry, it's the one that I made. You have to make another batch because he won't drink the, the coffee that I make because it's too weak. And it's like, this is this is just just unfortunate. So sometimes I'll, I'll even like go to the local Starbucks when I'm in, in Tampa and just come back with Starbucks coffee rather than, than go through the ordeal of messing with the system. This is so incredible. Joe is the hero we need, not the hero we deserve. But but I feel that because he he wants you know to be helpful, and so he'll offer coffee. And it's like, but I just don't want it. I, I literally want to leave this building and go get coffee somewhere else. Uh. Counterpoint: uh, the coffee made for you by somebody who loves you is the best coffee in the world. But we we just I think that Joe and I just talked about how that isn't true. Yeah, I, I think that's literally what what we were both doing. I know, I know. Were you listening, Brian? But I want to give you, at at the very least, the the option of reconsidering uh, coffee choices in that light. One of my favorite mornings of uh, of the past few years was, you know, I'd spent the night with a friend in New York, and we had all had a big party. I crashed on their couch, and they made me this cup of coffee the next day. In a, it, I like French presses, but you have to do it right, and most people don't do it right. And they made me a cup of French press coffee that was... Eh, it, it wasn't that good. There was still way too much sentiment. Uh, sentiment. There was a lot of sentiment. Sentiment. There was so much sentiment in this coffee. <laughs> there was a lot of sediment in the coffee uh, and sentiment. And I remember drinking it and thinking, this really isn't good, but they love me. And I get to hang out here in New York with them and drink this coffee way too early because I have a bus to catch in an hour and a half. And it was 
just sweet in a way that I cannot describe because A, it was completely black and not sweet at all, and B, it was the sweetest thing in the world because they made me coffee after they were so sweet in letting me stay on their sofa for the previous night. I don't know. There's something about it that makes me makes my like tired little heart sing. You were you were so honest and sincere and and find all these positive things in stuff and I can't do with that. I, I just <laughs> <laughs> refuse. Joe's like podcast over. <laughs> but but it's so nice that you do. Um so it's a good quality. <laughs> Oh, you're very sweet. I will never forget this time that Brian was teaching me how to make AeroPress the first time. And I, I like, did not accomplish the goal the first time. And uh, he he tasted it. And he looks up at me and he goes, it's good. In a way that I knew he was like, this is the most disgusting cup of coffee I've ever had. (laughs) I was just like, "I, I don't need your flattery. I know what this is. Coffee made for you by somebody you love. What can I say? Joe, tell me more about the coffee you made this morning. How did you make it? Uh, what were the beans like, etc.? Uh, it's kind of boring. Um, I had uh, the Angel City Roast from Groundwork Coffee, which is a uh, L.A.-based uh, small chain, I would say. There's a few locations of it. Um, and so I have beans from them. And then uh, I, I ground that up in the tiny little blade grinder, which you're not supposed to do because, you know, burr grinders are better. But uh, this way I get dust and, and huge boulders. Um, and then I can put that all into the basket filter, which is the worst kind of filter you can use that's inside of my $20 Mr. Coffee that I bought in 2005. And then I brewed that yesterday, and then I put it into a glass Martha Stewart pitcher and put it in the fridge overnight. And then I combined it with some cold brew that I had uh, left over from the Takaya uh, cold brew thing with the metal sieve in the middle. Um, that also had the same coffee beans, uh, d- dust and rocks in it. Um, but uh, I, I, I didn't want to make another batch of that because it's actually a huge pain in the butt and I forgot how much I don't like doing that. So I just <laughs> put the two in the same glass pitcher and they sat in the fridge overnight. Um, and it was good the next morning. It didn't taste stale at all. I have never felt so seen in my life. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Brian, uh, have have I have I hurt your feelings about coffee, or are you going to be okay? <laughs> Brian has gone silent. You haven't hurt my feelings at all. It's uh, I was silent because I was taking notes and something I want to try uh, next time I make my own cold brew, uh, which I haven't done in a little while, and I'm really excited to try. I have my old blade grinder. I'm gonna dig out. I don't know if I still have my Mister Coffee from when I started drinking coffee when <laughs> when I would frequently drink a pot of coffee per movie. I would start watching at midnight. And uh, and continue through the night, and it was a glorious, relatively hallucinogenic experience. Um, that that's an amazing, amazing coffee recipe. And again, coffee from somebody you love. You love yourself so much that you made yourself this wonderful coffee. Well, I don't know about that one, but um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the rocks and boulders, or what, what did you say, rocks and dust? Yeah, because well, if you put something in a blade grinder. Because uh, I'm too cheap to buy a burr grinder, and I hardly ever make coffee at home. No, no, same. That's mm-hmm. ac- that is exactly how I grind my coffee, and every time I do it, I'm like worried that Brian might break up with me. Am, have I really made myself like this brand of coffee snobbery that makes people think I won't love them? I think your second episode is called Coffee Snobbery, um, or your third episode, and <laughs> it's about the burr grinder and how to use an AeroPress and everything. 
And I think you just talked to our guests that we brought onto our podcast that we love very much. And we're talking about how Mr. Coffee is what you had when you first started making coffee. Yeah. You know, when I was saying that you're like so honest and sincere, can only see the positives and things, maybe I was being generous. That was a little generous. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm trying to not be a dick. <laughs> we broke Brian. Oh, I'm sorry. You guys have had so little sleep. We didn't even get to talk about breakfast booze. Yeah. Well, we should probably pivot. <laughs> I wish I had a mimosa right now. <laughs> Are you going to be okay, babe? <laughs> I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. Um, we're here tonight to talk about breakfast booze. Uh, I guess more specifically brunch booze, right? Is there like... Is there a difference between breakfast and brunch booze, do you uh, think? Yes, because if you call it brunch booze, it's, it's acceptable. And if you call it breakfast booze, it is not. Yeah, I was going to say, if it's breakfast booze, it's just like you're by yourself and like you want to drink that Narragansett before it goes flat from the night before. Yeah, uh, yeah, that it's not it's not a good look. Uh, w- 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 so you just it's call not, it brunch, yeah. even if it's even if you're meeting up with people at 10 or whatever, uh, you do not call that breakfast booze. Um Although if it's at like ten or so in the morning, or you're like over at somebody's house and they're they're making mimosas there, mimosas are the acceptable way to start. Please do not start with the hard liquors and and things at like ten a.m. Save that for like your more lunch period portion of brunch. Like you can you can even pivot into that as the as the morning progresses. So would you would you would recommend not starting with the Bloody Mary? To, like, go for the mimosa first and work your way to the Bloody Mary. Well, this gets into a controversial thing. Um, yeah, because I, I was going to say that I, I would disagree, but I want to mm-hmm. hear you out first. Okay, well, this is the part you're really going to disagree on, because I don't like Bloody Marys because I don't like the taste of them. I actually, I think that's super valid. I don't want to say I grew up drinking Bloody Marys. What does that sound like? <laughs> well, I mean, um, when, when you were a kid, you had like Virgin Bloody Marys or something. So you had like some V8, um, et cetera. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah. and when I started, when I started like legally drinking, uh, one of my dad's like favorite things to make is Bloody Marys. So like I was exposed to it at a time when I was like also acquiring a taste like for beer and like other stuff like that. It's a confrontational beverage, and it's especially confrontational in the morning. And particularly, I was going to say, while I love Bloody Marys, I don't usually drink them in the morning, like in a hair of the dog sort of sort of situation because usually like if I'm waking up hungover, my stomach is already super like acidy. And so the last thing I want to do is drink tomato juice. Yeah. Yeah. And it just... I don't know. It doesn't do it for me. I know there are a lot of people who who feel it is a hangover cure and they want to go right to that uh, first thing. Um, And so that's fine. Uh, But uh, yeah, I I don't enjoy the flavor of it. So uh, I'm sorry I came down so hard on the the hard liquors. Uh, I mean, (laughs) mainly mean things like uh, the Greyhounds and uh, Palomas and, and what have you. For sure. Like just... Just pivot a little bit. Just wait, wait, wait a little. You know, have 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 some of the mimosas first, or uh, you know, you can you can you can you can wait. Uh, have some coffee. You'll be okay. Yeah, I see you. I I think my my point of disagreement was more that like 
Um, I, while I do enjoy the taste of mimosas, don't usually start with them because I have a thing about like, I mean, I've talked about this before, like sweet breakfast is kind of a weird one for me. Mm -hmm. And so like having a sweet beverage first thing in the morning, especially if we're talking like a hair of the dog sort of situation, um, I feel like is not something that I usually want, but I also respect the mentality. Yeah. And I, I do not enjoy sweet beverages very much either. So usually uh, that means that I am uh, going to have a mimosa and find out how sweet that place makes their mimosa and then use that to weigh in the options of how I will proceed with the rest of the experience. Um, I know there are a lot of people who live for bottomless mimosas, but uh, some of those places don't make particularly high quality beverages, I would say, because of the quantity that they're outputting. Um, And uh, in some of those cases, you get a lot of really... uh, sweetened but still highly acidic orange juice uh mixed with very little yeah um uh, like corbel or andre um and and that's that's not what i'm here for well and also like you know the strength of the mimosa because you need to be able to see your fingers on the other side of the glass yes this is this is true Ooh, yeah. this is what my my bartender friends would always say to me like oh, it's not really a mimosa unless it's transparent enough, at, like, i.e. has enough champagne in it that it is transparent enough for you to see your fingers on the other side of the glass. Yeah. Mimosas are the only brunch booze drink I like that is, like, I, I, where I feel like the alcohol actually does add to the flavor of the drink to the point where, yeah, you want to drink orange juice, you got orange juice, that's fine. But uh, champagne adds a little bit of extra sparkly, uh, like lightness to it that is still refreshing enough to complement the oranges but also you know isn't like you're not drinking a mimosa to get drunk which is ironic again because of the uh, boundless mimosas thing but you're right definitely stick with something lighter like mimosa before moving on to hard liquor unless the whole hair of the dog thing doesn't make sense to me i the last thing i want to do when i'm hungover is drink more (laughs) yeah and i mean there are a lot of really good brunch cocktails especially popular right now uh you got your your frosés um you're, you're yeah have you, have you have you either of you had a frosé so i haven't i haven't experienced one but i'm a big i'm a big rosé fan even though i just like said on this podcast that i'm not a fan of like super sugary drinks in the morning so i can only imagine a frosé would be very lovely yeah there is a place called the rose cafe in uh venice california um and they have a uh thing called faded um and they made the letters stand for something, but I don't remember what they are. It's not important. Uh, and they basically just got a margarita machine and just went to town. And it's uh, basically a unsweetened strawberry margarita. So there's no <laughs> added sugar to it. And there's a lot of tequila. Um, and it's sort of a, a just a pink slushy. Wait, that sounds awesome, though. It, it is really good. That sounds awesome, though, because strawberries are sweet enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, so that's 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 my problem with a lot of the the blended margaritas. Um, I find they basically have like five pounds of sugar in them, and I just can't I can't deal with that. Well, because then you're like getting drunk and also having a sugar crash at the same time. I get sleepy enough when I drink. Like I don't need the sugar crash too. 
Yeah, you don't want to ruin your whole day. <laughs> this is the start of your morning. <laughs> <laughs> a uh, margarita is one of those drinks where you really want to make sure they can make it well before you either invest a lot into drinking a lot of them or, you know, you, you just want to make sure you have a good one. It's like an old-fashioned for me where I have to, like, look around and scope out the old fashions at the place before I can commit myself to ordering one because if I get an old-fashioned, I do not want cherries. I do not want any whole oranges. I want bourbon bitters, a little bit of sugar, that's it. This is also my philosophy when going into the Bloody Mary because, like, when, when ordering one, I mean, is that, like, there are so many different ways and flavor profiles that one can make, like, a regular Bloody Mary. Like, you can make it slightly spicier or it can be, like, super duper bland. Um, usually, so actually, one of my favorite... I don't even think you can call it a Bloody Mary. I forget what it was called on the menu, but I was uh, at this brunch place in Denver when I was out there, and they had a Bloody Mary, but instead of being made with vodka, it was made with gin, um, which was, like, really, really delicious. And I think that's that's kind of, like, more of, like, how I, I'm a fan of the, like, bloody drink situation, because I'm a really big fan of Bloody Marias, which are like tomato juice and tequila or like tomato juice and gin. Um, I think it's just the vodka, man. Too many horrible Mr. Boston memories. <laughs> what, what is Mr. God. Boston? So Mr. Boston is the cheapest vodka that you can buy at Blanchard's, which is this like huge liquor store in Alston, Massachusetts, which like if you go to college in Boston, when you go to Alston, like, that's the place you're going to, like, have a good time on the weekend. <laughs> so, I don't know. Maybe this was just, like, a going to Emerson thing or not. But Mr. Boston is basically, like, rubbing alcohol. It's, like, so cheap. It's, like, maybe... It's, like, 7 to $10 for, like, an entire handle. It's egregious. Yeah. In, in college in Sarasota, there was a... A plastic uh, handle of something called Popov, um, and I, I would I would put that in the same category. Uh, I I have learned that there are many things in life that are uh, not worth having, um, if <laughs> no matter how good of a deal, quote unquote, it is. Uh, so yeah, it, de- definitely no, thank you. That kind of cheap vodka has really turned me off of vodka altogether, which I know is bad because I know there's very, very good vodkas in the world. But for me, if I'm going to be drinking a spirit and have such a concentrated amount of flavor and a concentrated amount of like mind altering substance, I want it to be uh, whiskey or gin or tequila. I want it something uh, very, very flavorful for how boozy and how strong it has to be. Well, and that's the thing about, like, Grey Goose. If you have Grey Goose in a drink, the whole appeal is that, like, you can't taste the alcohol in it. Like, it has been filtered so much that you could basically drink it straight and it tastes like water, which is a lie. But, like, uh, that's the whole appeal of, like, having the higher-end vodkas. I don't know. I, I'm just not... I I can't be a vodka person anymore. I'm just not that person anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, uh, there there is uh, I think an attraction to it uh, because it, like you're saying, it, it doesn't have much flavor to it, um, generally speaking, uh, and that it can mix with a lot of other things. Uh, but eh, you're gonna uh, I, I generally avoid it. Uh, there there are other instances of mixing things. Speaking of, like, uh, have you ever had a, a michelada? No. 
another brunch bev uh i don't care for this one but since you like bloody mary's i think you might like it um but uh it is a uh mexican beer cocktail where it's basically uh lager beer uh with lime salt dash of worcestershire sauce and then either tomato juice or clamato um i don't care for that oh man i'd love it though that sounds like all the things i like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I have a friend I was getting lunch with where uh, they, they had tomatoes on their sandwich. They're like, ugh, I hate tomatoes. It's like eating water on a sandwich. I was like, are you kidding? They're the most flavorful of the vegetables, so I tolerate were them. We, were we at this place together with this friend? Who are you talking about? Very possibly. No, do you remember who it was, though? I was definitely here for this situation. It may have been any one of two people. <laughs> one of them may have been at brunch with us once. Oh, I remember. It was Dan. It was Dan Wersch. We weren't out at brunch with him. We just talked about it. Really? That, that was on the show? I could have sworn this person took their tomatoes off their sandwich and gave them to me because I was like, I love tomatoes. I mean, there are a lot of people who don't like tomatoes, so I think this probably could have happened two times. True. But I do remember Dan saying on the show when you guys did the Waffle House episode that he, he didn't like tomatoes, uh, I think. That that's true. Uh, ergo, uh, I think tomatoes are flavorful and very tasty and very uh, strong in a very very good way. Which is why I I too Joe don't really like uh, Bloody Marys because of how uh, beefy and strong they are. That's not what I'm looking for in a drink. I will say that Brian has never given Bloody Marys a chance. Whoa! You gotta like let love come into your life, and sometimes that love is in the form of a salty. Like a, like a salty, confrontational drink. Ergo, I would love this michelada because it seems with like the same meatiness of a tomato and a Bloody Mary in something a little bit lighter and beery because I'm much more beer person than a uh, spirit person. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you guys can make them. It's not impossible. Um, and I'm sure there's probably one place in Boston that might be able to do it. Uh, but uh, I would say it's probably more popular out here. Uh, and to get back to something that Trusha brought up with, uh, you know, mixing vodka and like how you can't really even taste it. So like, what's the point with the really expensive stuff and mixing it with things that reminds me, uh, of when you're making some of these breakfast bevs, uh, the, the brunch bevs with your, uh, mimosas that a lot of people might think they need to buy the most expensive champagne. Um, but they didn't need to do that um and uh, a lot of people might also buy the cheapest bubbly uh, and they also shouldn't do that one either but uh just just find some high quality prosecco or cava or something and um it's usually a pretty good budget option for for mixing with orange juice because the orange juice will overpower almost all of the flavor <laughs> inside of whatever it is you're mixing <laughs> uh especially if you're using something else that's a little sharper than orange juice like grapefruit juice uh like i'm currently having um but uh but uh, you know you do you but honestly, I'll defend Andre until the day I die. Andre and I have been through so much together. Wow. <laughs> I've never I've never had anyone ever stick up for Andre. <laughs> <laughs> listen. Listen. Andre's your friend who's just like, "Hey guys, I'm just going to like come over and it's going to be a good time, okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, Andre, I know it's going to be a good time because you're my friend." Oh, man, I probably shouldn't compare alcohol to my friend. That makes me sound like I have a problem. I think this whole episode makes us all sound like we have problems. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I I just, I I feel like Andre reminds me of the times that, like, I have definitely, like, not had enough money in my bank account to, like, buy an actual, like, nice 
bottle of something or like whatever. And I was like still drinking the Andre. I was like, this is who I am and this is who I have become. And maybe one day I will have really nice champagne, but I will still always be this person on the inside. That's me with PBR. I love good beer. I will defend PBR as a great crappy beer until I die. Let's not go that far. Joe is right. A a, a good champagne that's not bottom of the shelf is very necessary for enjoying a mimosa because this drink only has two ingredients. You're going to have orange juice, which is very hard to be good unless you freshly squeeze everything, and that's not impossible. And the other ingredient needs to be really, really good. And again, champagne adds a little bit of like a light flavoriness to it that works really, really well with orange juice. And if you get bottom shelf stuff, the orange juice is going to overpower it. It's definitely worth at least not getting Andre. No, no offense, George. Yeah. Uh, well, I think you missed the part where I said cava or prosecco too, uh, which are substantially cheaper than uh, a lot of the introductory champagnes. True. Um, which are probably looking at uh, twenty to thirty dollars in some cases. Although, if you have a Trader Joe's near you, uh, they usually have uh, the splits, which are the tinier bottles of uh, wine or champagne in this case. Ooh. And they have usually a, a very economically priced. Uh, split of that that you can get with uh, some of their tangerine juice, which is also in a small bottle. And the benefit to that is if you are having a brunch with just a couple people, um, you can more adequately control the portion of things and then you don't wind up with uh, a lot of uh, leftover things later on because leftover champagne in a thing will go flat. So Couldn't let a little vodka go bad. <laughs> Champagne is actually like that, though. Like you kind of yeah. need to finish it, or else it's trash. No, no one wants flat champagne. It's, it's super gross. It's not that bad, Brian. Brian. Okay, it's pretty bad, but I've drank it before because I hate myself. Okay, well, I, I, I like that we got a good self-loathing theme on this episode. I think that that works well. Yay! <laughs> Aspirational breakfasts and brunch cocktails. And I was able to be loopy enough from like having absolutely no sleep. <laughs> to like effectively be drunk is there anything else we have on uh, breakfast booze um well we didn't talk about wine but usually i would say that's falls into the category of like usually a little later in the morning like 11 o'clock uh then you can roll into your rosés or your white wines um i don't particularly care for a red wine in the morning i don't find it refreshing uh and it makes me want to go to sleep um and uh, your your later beers uh i wouldn't necessarily gravitate towards a porter or a stout in the morning but it's up to you one of my friends actually wrote an article i think it was actually like for vice like he was maybe interning at vice and he did this project where he like had a bottle of guinness every morning <sighs> and like that was his breakfast no <laughs> And he, like, recorded his findings, and he found that, like, it was actually, like, super filling. Like, it was a satisfying breakfast on top of, like, being a beer for breakfast. I don't know. I've never experimented with this, of course, but interesting findings. That's what I was going to bring up. Breakfast beer. It's amazing. I had it a bunch in uh, the UK when I visited, and it's... Oh, my God. You're right. It's very, very filling. There's a lot of calories in it. It feels good to drink uh, that early in the morning to have it, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? To have it. You don't get drunk off of it. It's not a hair of the dog situation. Again, that doesn't make sense to me. One Guinness as a breakfast, like a uh, boozy Soylent, is a delight, especially if you have it as slightly uh, higher temperature like you would in, say, London. I'm less convinced about this, but... uh... (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna let, let, let you uh, take 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 that one. I think there's a common theme of judgment on this episode as well. 
Which is, I think, kind of healthy, actually. Yeah. Well, I mean, it helps that one of us is so predictable. Um, so, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. See, now I can't cut it out because you've brought it up five times and I would have to cut out the entire episode if I were to cut out that one time. Why would you cut out the best part of the show where you insulted your guest? <laughs> Yeah, Brian, we want people to, like, come on this podcast, and we need to know what they're in for when they do. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to give them the bait and switch. <laughs> they're, they're in for a loving mm-hmm. time where uh, you, you enter a, a world where you have checks and balances. You have uh, your your Joes, your Allisons, and your Brians, and, uh, and, and we all work together to create something together that is both equally self-deprecating and celebratory i'll say that i think throughout the course of this podcast we also learned that if we were in a brunch situation together which hopefully one day we would be like i don't think that we we've decided that there is one all-encompassing breakfast booze we all enjoy no but that's the magic of uh restaurants is that Ooh, true they they can make more than one beverage <laughs> The magic of restaurants. That's also the power of peer pressure, in which case I'll probably try Bloody Mary at some point. I, I've i tried, like, two, and I haven't liked either of them, and I really want to hold out hope for, like, a really good one at some point. But we'll see. Well, one thing you could do is wait till uh, Truj has one and says, oh, this one's really good. Do you want a sip? And then you have a sip. And then that will solve that problem for you. You see, that's already happened many a time, Joe. There, I went through a phase, like, for a straight month where all I drank was Bloody Maria's because I was like, this drink is everything to me. It's about me. And I would, like, go to Brian and I'd be like, do you want one? And he'd be like, absolutely not. Oh, well, mm, I guess, kind of guess it takes two to tango there in that situation. Greetings from under the bus, Allison Truge. <laughs> <laughs> Most important meal, mean to our guests, mean to each other. No. <laughs> what has happened to this show? This I, I ruined it. We just woke up. <laughs> We're exhausted. Oh. Joe, thank you so much for joining us. This has been an absolute blast, and I did not insult you. I want that on the record. I did not insult you. I think we have plenty of record, Brian. We have plenty of record. Yeah, like, I literally have a recording of this entire conversation. (laughs) Oh, can you send that to me? I want to put that on the internet. Okay, good.